Are you ready to become the dad you were meant to be? Good, because this is the Epic Dad Legacy Podcast, where imperfect actions are better than perfect ideas, promises kept are more important than promises made, and nothing happens unless you make it happen. My name is Drew, father of three, the founder of the Epic Dad Company. My mission is to help dads up their game and become the husbands, fathers, and men they are called to be. We need Epic Dads now more than ever. And it is your responsibility and obligation to become the best father you can be and show your kids what is possible. Listen in for weekly tips, strategies, and actions you can take to go from average dad to epic dad. Thanks for listening. Now let's start the episode. What is up, guys? Welcome back to the Epic Dad Legacy Podcast. This is your host, Drew Camp here, the founder of the Epic Dad Company and founder of the Epic Dad Legacy Podcast. Hey, if you are new, this is your first time joining us. My mission with this show is to help you level up as a dad in every area of your life and become the husband, man, and father that you are called to be. So thank you for joining. You are hopping in on a good episode. Uh, before we hop in, guys, we talk so much about the importance of community on this podcast, right? That men was that men are not created to be alone, that we are meant to be part of a tribe, that iron sharpens iron. And as iron sharpened irons, so men shall sharpen other men, right? So if you look around your peer group and you are in need of a community of men that are going to challenge you, that are going to support you, that are going to help level you up, then you need to join our Epic Dad crew. Our Epic Dad crew is our online community and accountability group where savage dads get to connect, to get to get access to resources, coaching, training, programming, you name it, uh, everything that you need to start down the path of becoming an Epic Dad. And for right now, you can join the Epic Dad crew absolutely free. So we've got a link down in the description of this episode for you to hop in and join the crew and find your tribe. All right, guys. Hey, let's talk about today's show. Today, we have got on Nathan Mansfield, and I am super pumped for this episode. Uh, I've been following Nathan's journey for quite some time and super pumped to have him on the show and really extract some awesome value uh, from him and pour into you guys. So Nathan is an Air Force veteran. He is a husband, he's a father, and an entrepreneur. Nathan founded SP Nutrition in 2016 while he was still on active duty in the military. And since then, he has grown it into a multi-million dollar business. Uh, additionally, Nathan runs a high-level executive coaching program called The Crucible Man that helps guide men to lifelong purpose and success. And today, Nathan and I chat about why it is so important for fathers to step up and lead in the home. We talk about the power of the three Vs, that is vision, vulnerability, and values. We talk about why it is important to not half-ass two things, but to whole-ass one thing, as Ron Swanson would say, right? We talk about the value of going all in and dedicating your focus to one specific outcome. And finally, we talk about the power of surrounding yourself with men that will sharpen your axe. So, all right, guys. Break out a notepad and a pen. You're going to want to take some notes on this episode as we hop into it with Nathan Mansfield. All right, Nathan, what's going on, man? Welcome to the show. Are you doing all right? Yeah, man. Are you, uh, you're wearing a Yankees hat. Is that are you a fan? No, this is a funny story. You're the, actually the, finally the first person to ask me this. I've been waiting for this question. Yeah. <laughs> out, out, we were at the mall and my i love this style of hat and my wife's like just buy a just go to the the hat whatever uh whatever it's called liz yeah i'm like i can't just wear a team i don't like I, I, it's not that's not how i am and i'm not a baseball fan anyways so, so she's like here and she so she bought me the yankees hat and now i feel like a fraud wearing it because i'm like <laughs> i'm not a yankees fan <laughs> yeah so, are you from are you like even from new york or you just no, no? you just like the hat yeah okay it's, 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 I, I like the hat i wish yeah yeah no so i'm a i'm a big Braves fan so i'm i'm a little bit north of atlanta so i grew up Braves fan and um even though they're american league it's still like one of our one of our rivals you know we hate playing the yankees so i was like we just got to shut the podcast down right now man if you're a yankees <laughs> fan so well, um, yeah, man, I've been looking forward to this conversation. Um, so I, I followed kind of your journey, you know, for the past couple of years, um, you know, just on social media, kind of the growth of your company, um, really your personal brand. Um, and so I just wanted to yeah, connect, learn more about you. And hopefully, like I said, just 
you know, hopefully extract some value kind of along your journey that you know, some of the listeners can, can get. So uh, Nathan, man, would love it if you would kind of give us a brief bio, um, just kind of, you know, who you are, where you're at now. And then I'd love to kind of go back at the beginning too. Yeah, absolutely. So name's Nathan Mansfield, 35 years old, grew up in small town, Kansas, a uh, town of about 4,000 people. Um, hated it. Wanted to get out <laughs> the time I was young. I, I, everybody fit in. Everybody was average. And I was like, there ain't nothing for me here. I want to, I, I want to do something big with my life, but all these people think so small. I couldn't figure out how people stayed there. So I always had a dream to get out, do something bigger, make more money, impact more people. Um, I, I've always been a dreamer. And so at 15, um, I, I fell into the trap of alcohol with some friends, started drinking a lot uh, throughout, throughout all high school, doing dumb things, drinking and driving. Um, luckily, I'm still alive, but I did a lot of dumb stuff with alcohol growing up. And what I didn't realize is it was just a mask of, of, of putting on this, this mask over my insecurities of, of not feeling confident as a kid, not feeling confident as a boy, not really knowing who I was. Didn't really know this at the time, but it was easy for me to be the funny guy, for me to talk to girls. So fell in this trap of alcohol, get, took me all the way to college, went to Kansas State University to be an engineer. Um, and I got about three months in and I was, I was getting blackout drunk three times a week. Like, wasn't making it to class. I, Somehow in high school, I still pulled off almost all straight A's, you know, being a shit student. Um, luckily, I was blessed with a little bit of intelligence that allowed me to, or maybe I was just a good bullshitter. I'm not sure. But regardless, I kept good grades in high school with the behavior. Once I got to college, uh, it, it didn't work. And so about three months in, I looked at my, my grades and I was getting D's and F's and everything. And uh, realized I was, I was getting blackout drunk. I was doing dumb stuff that I, that I regretted. And so I woke up one day and I was like, something's got to change. So I went straight to the recruiter's office as, as a younger kid. I had a kind of this ambition to join the military, but honestly, I didn't have the courage to do it. So I was like, oh, that sounds cool, but I didn't have the balls to do it. So, but I kind of like the rubber hit the road and, and it hit a point in my play, in my, my, my life where I had to make a big decision to either continue doing what I was doing. And I was around the friend group, the toxic environment that was not going to allow me to get out. It would have been really challenging, or I can go do something and serve and, and maybe maybe make a big decision that would change my life. And so within the next 30, 45 days, I left uh, for the Air Force, um, went uh, down here to San Antonio, basic training, went to be a contract specialist, uh, writing procurement contracts for the Air Force, got my first duty station in England. Uh, from England, I went to Iraq, uh, Kirkuk, Iraq, and um, helped with the, the border security mission, came back. And um, then PCS to North Carolina, where I saw, saw Air Force guys carrying around weapons and rucksacks. And I was like, man, <laughs> you're writing contracts. <laughs> yeah, I'm over yeah. here like, flying fly my, my, my desk, you know, flying, being in the chair force. I'm like, what are these guys doing? I'm like, this is really cool. But I ended up writing contracts for these guys and, and figuring out their mission. They're like, yeah, I asked the, the senior master sergeant one day, I was like, what do you guys do? And they're like, you guys look like you're all, all high speed and stuff. He's like, well, we, we go in with Army Infantry, Rangers, Special Forces. Uh, we're the, the sole Air Force guy on the ground. We're, we're weapons experts. We're jet experts. And we call them airstrikes on bad mm -hmm. guys. We kill bad guys and shoot them in the face. Uh, and I was like, wow, that's pretty cool. I didn't know Air Force guys had a combat mission like that. Um, and so I was like, shit, I want to do that. So quickly put in a package, cross-trained, uh, had, a, had a very outstanding package. My PT test was great. My, my, all my performance reports were, were great. So I got picked up very quickly. There was five spots for the entire Air Force of 350,000 people. I got picked up um, within the first couple of months, went down to, to Herberfield, Florida, uh, cross-trained to be a TACP, made it through that school as a, as a distinguished grad, and then went to Fort Carson, Colorado, where I deployed to Afghanistan and went to my first uh, combat tour. Okay. Where were you in Afghanistan? What's that? So what year were you in Afghanistan? 2011. 11. Okay. Yeah, I was an Army guy. Um, okay. So I did, uh, I was with the 82nd infantry. Um, okay. so we had, we had JTACs, which is, I, I would think is like the army kind of equivalent, I guess. I don't really know, um, kind of what the, the difference is, but you know, we'd have those guys out kind of like calling in air, you know, air support and stuff like that with A-10s. Um, you know, but, uh, I don't, yeah. I don't, okay. Yeah. Okay. So cool, man. Second, you would have had air force guys with your JTACs. Okay, cool. Um, cause the conventional uses only air force. Gotcha. Some ODAs will use, uh, some ODAs will use, they'll train their own as like ETACs. Yeah. Um, but the commissioner army all uses Air Force ETACs. Okay, cool, man. Yeah, I was, uh, I can't say 2012. Uh, so there's a little, little bit after you. Nice. So, 
Very cool, man. Right, right, right after me. I was there through, I think, the beginning of 2012, honestly. Okay. Yeah, we might have been in the country at the same time then. So, very cool. <laughs> I was in RC South, um, north of Kandahar. And uh, so, get, get into a, my first gunfight um, towards the end of my tour. Uh, pretty crazy. Got L-shaped ambush on us in this in this town that had no no American forces had been in for three years. They were predicting heavy casualties. Get into a pretty crazy gunfight. Um, I ended up kind of getting isolated, uh, calling in for air support. Um, bullets raining down from the mountaintop. And, and that day, like, I, I, I pondered for, like, the next few days, like, how, how did I not die? Because obviously the JTAC holding up the big antenna is the target because they know the airstrikes are coming. I mean, thousands of bullets ripped, you know, just all around my feet, all around my face. And so I got back to my shoe that night. I began to process life, and I was like, "Man, I'm, I I literally was just so close to death. I, I don't. I'm not really sure how I didn't die, um, but I didn't. And so, the next few months, as I wrapped up my tour, I began to think about, you know, what is it I really want to do with my life? When you when you almost, you know, in a near death incident, you begin to really consider life. And so, got back. I was really or really passionate about supplements and nutrition. 2012. Um, I was like, "Man, I, I got to just expand the horizons, do a little bit more." Uh, push myself. I'd never been an entrepreneur. In fact, I didn't know what an entrepreneur was. I started my first business in 2012 outside of Fort Carson, opened up a brick and mortar nutrition store, had no no clue what the hell I was doing. Um, but but opened up with a with a, a partner who was an army uh, E6 infantry guy. And, and we made it happen, man. We we, we kicked ass uh, for the next three years. Um, you do that? Were, you, were you still in the military while you were doing that? Yeah. Or was, oh, really? Okay. No kidding. Yeah. So the the, re the whole reason it's a very important piece of this is is and this is for the listeners guys I want you to hear this real quick. Sometimes you need to see someone else do something to understand that you can do it yourself. Mm -hmm. Okay. The reason that I opened a business because I would have never considered this. I'm like, well, I'm spending all my time in the military. I'm deploying and all this stuff. We're heavy deployment uh, cycle. As I saw, there was an an E7 or an E8 who was with uh, 10th Group. And he opened up his own nutrition store and I used to shop at his nutrition store and I found out it was active duty owned. And I'm like, how the hell is this? Yeah. How the fuck are you doing that? Yeah. <laughs> active duty, And he's running a store. And so in my mind, I went, well, he's no better than me. If he can do it, I can do it. Mm -hmm. Right. This is, this is kind of a story of my life. I, I had to look at people and go, wait, 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 if he can do it, then I can do it. And so that gave me the courage to go, me and my, my buddy who was in the army were already like, you know, we had bags of ingredients. We would like, we'd buy from raw, raw. Bags. Like, <laughs> yeah. We had a, we had a oh, lab. sounds, sounds familiar, man. <laughs> yeah, we had a lab in my kitchen. We would, uh, we would, um, flavor the raw. Cause you know, the raw ingredients taste off. Oh yeah. Yeah. So we would get crystal light packs and we'd dump them in there and <laughs> shake it up like that. And we were, we were Just to, to make it tolerable. It. Yeah. yeah <laughs> so we were just trying to come up with our own pre-workout powder and we were, we were having a glass of whiskey on a Saturday night and I was like, Hey Joe, why, why don't we just, start our own store he's like really and i was like yeah why don't we just just start our own store next day i drove over to light the the uh, grocery store right outside of fort carson found a spot like thousand square feet started calling for uh, pursued it relentlessly they're like you ain't got no credentials you got debt i'm like just let me in just let me in was relentless in my pursuit and sure enough they finally approved me for a lease we opened up a store had no clue what to do threw some shelves in there had a guy come build a desk and before we knew it, we had a business and then um, the business, you know, I think the first month we did like somewhere between seventeen and twenty thousand somehow. Really? Wow. Um, yeah, we just, you know, we had influence with our communities. And we yeah. Talked about it, and people supported us, and so that's where my whole entrepreneurship journey started. And then four years later, I was like, man, I, I really want to get back to that dream of having my own line, back to mm -hmm. the of mixing in the kitchen. And so I had, at that point, I had developed a really good relationship with a guy who had his own line. He had connections to manufacturers. He was kind of my door in. And so in 2016, we created Strong Physiques, began to craft our own line. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to be too detailed. Let's take the whole damn podcast. But uh, ended up getting into the apparel industry, just destroyed it in the fitness apparel industry. Um, within three years from 20, basically 2019 to 2021, um, we did over over eight figures in revenue um, but with both supplements and, and uh, yeah. I've seen let go of the apparel brand, not my thing, making women's leggings. Um, <laughs> we, crushed, we crushed it and uh, still running the nutrition brand. And now I've moved over the last year, moved fully into entrepreneurship coaching and men's coaching. Okay. 
help men find their, their, their purpose, to help them understand their gifts, to help them get through struggles, but also to help them to build their lives on discipline and, and, and self-respect so that they can be a good husband, a good father, and live a life that they dream of. So yeah no man there's a lot of stuff i want to unpack there um (laughs) you know so like one is you know you said something that probably is pretty interesting i think so true right is looking at you have to kind of be around someone that's done it right like if you you know if you don't have that experience and and you know it's not within your like peripheral view of someone that's accomplished that it's very easy to look at that and be like well there's no way i can do it right like they got something i don't right but if if you you know have that ecosystem of like somebody has done the actual thing then yeah i mean to that your point you'd be like well shit man like they did it like why not me you know um like they're no better than i am like so i'm I, you know just selfishly right like i own a supplement company it's just getting off the ground and i'm like shit well look at nathan man like you know he built a huge fucking business i'm like hey why not me you know um exactly. so, so yeah same thing man one thing with that is it's, it's got to be someone that's kind of relative to you so like the guy yeah. that i was doing, you know he, he'd been in the military for 15 but i could relate to him because i'm like yeah he goes to work just like i do like mm-hmm. if I was to go look up to Ed Milet and be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I could go make him half a billion dollars. Like, it's too far, right? There's got to be mm-hmm. some proximity. Mm-hmm. But you, know, you and I are alike. We, you know, I, obviously, I think you you said you served. And, and, and so we, we're both entrepreneurs. You know, I'm around that same place. And you're like, hey, man, he did it. I can do it, too. So yeah, relativity is key. Yeah, very cool. Well, how many uh, how many kids you got? Three. And when, when, when did you have kids, like, throughout this journey? Um, so um, I left for... Afghanistan, December 3rd, 2011. My son was born October 3rd, 2011. Um, so I, we had, we had Cole and then I left two months later on my birthday, his birthday is October 3rd, mine's December 3rd. So I left two months after he was born. Um, uh, so that was kind of tough leaving a a two month old, my first child, uh, and going to what I knew was going to be a combat tour. So that was a really rough, really rough, rough, um, departure from him. And then, um, remarried and had my other two boys who are five. So Cole's 12, Carter's five and Liam is three. All okay. Boys. All boys, man. Yeah. I'm, I'm the, I'm well, was the opposite. I had two girls first. Um, and then we thought we just have all girls, but I ended up having a, a son as my third. Um, so I've got seven, five and, and 20 months. Um, so yeah, it's it's chaos at my house, man. Like yeah. all the time, bro. <laughs> chaos is a word that I understand, bro. Yeah, yeah. Well, so t- tell me about what you're doing now. Then you said you're doing, um, you know, kind of entrepreneurship. You know, coaching around around mindset. Is it specific for men? Yeah, yeah. I do have a couple of female clients clients in the entrepreneurial space. Hmm. My my life mission now is just to support and build men. So. Um, I realized I grew up with five sisters, no brothers. I realized I had no, my, my stepfather was a, was an arrogant prick who nothing was ever good enough for my dad basically vacated me when he, when he got remarried. I mean, stopped giving a shit about me. So the, the truth is, is like, I, I didn't know what a good male figure in my life was. And I, I there's so many men, you know, the amount of fatherless men that are just our age, people mm-hmm. who died, have, have no idea what it's like to be a man. And so this is a process I've had to learn since, you know, you know, really when I was drowning myself in alcohol when I was 19, you know, starting in the military, I started to get around some good men, but a lot of toxic men too. You know how that goes is the military is a very toxic culture. But when I saw a few men, one of them, I, I look at his picture every day is my friend that was killed in combat in 2012 was the best man I've ever known. Walter David Gray, who was, who was killed in Afghanistan. Uh, he was a major, um, really good dude. I mean, he, I mean, he, he filled the role as like what a dad would be like for me. And so as I've over the years learned what a good man is and, and have tried my hardest and worked hard to emulate what a good man and a good father is, I've realized how important, how big of a need it is. You know, there, there is a need for people to understand what masculinity looks like, healthy masculinity. There's a need for, for men to know what it's like to, to learn discipline and self-control and to get away from the toxic vices of alcohol and porn and drugs and all this bullshit that we chase to be a good stand-up man. And so my life mission now is that. It's, it's helping men to, to, to learn about their past and to get through it and to, and to heal from it because most of the time they don't talk about, talk about it, they mm-hmm. follow it up, um, but then how to set themselves free. 
how to set themselves free and how to learn discipline and how to respect themselves and all those things and to be a good man. Yeah. Yeah. What did you have? Um, so I'll kind of tell you a little bit of my story too. Um, yeah. just give you some context, right? So like, I, like my dad was great. Uh, my mom and dad are still around, uh, are still married, still around. Um, so I had, had a good example of like, Hey, this is what hard work looks like. Right. So my dad started his own business when I think I was around six or seven or something, uh, went all in, you know, grew, grew a, a pretty big business. Yeah. But with that, right. He was working a lot, right. Gone a lot. Um, but you know, he helped to instill a lot of values in me, like the values of hard work, perseverance, uh, relentlessness, things like that. Right. That have obviously been beneficial you know, to me, but, um, you know, we, we never had any of those conversations, right. About like, this is what it means to be a man. Like, this is what you should be doing. This is, you know, what men do and, and all that stuff. Right. And so, you know, it, it, for me, things fundamentally shifted when I had my son, um, about 20 months ago, because with my daughters, um, not that I, I wasn't trying to be a good dad or a good man. Um, but ultimately like it, it's, they're going to grow up to be women. Right. Um, but then when I had my son, it just like totally shifted my perspective of like, dude, I, like this young boy is going to grow up to be like exactly like me. Right. Like I need to make sure that I'm setting that example. And so it, it just, you know, I had to kind of go down a rabbit hole of like, cool. Like, I feel like, you know, I know what a man is, what a man's supposed to do just like fundamentally, but like, how do I quantify that? Right. And how do I like put a framework behind it? And so for, for me, you know, that led down a path of like huge discovery, you know, over the past, I don't know, since I found out I was having a boy. Right. So, so a while. And for me, it came down to like three fundamentals of like, this is what a man does. I'd love your perspective on this. Um, so for me, like a man accepts responsibility. Uh, he rejects passivity and he leads courageously. It's like the three. And so like, that's what I try to like filter my decisions through. Um, so I'd love to get your perspective on you, you mentioned the word a good man, you know, several times. It's like, what is that good man? Like, what are the values he has and what actions is he, is he taking? Yeah, well, well, I 100% concur with what you're saying. I think the, 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 the first one, a man, it's, you nailed it, except responsibility. One of the biggest problems we have in society with men is that, is that the ego is so protective over looking strong, looking masculine, being a good husband. Like the, the ego in men is just, it's, it's dangerous, man. It, it'll, it'll, it'll throw us in the deepest, darkest places if we're not careful. The ego will, will destroy us. What's the, what's, what's the answer to the ego? It's to accept responsibility. Yeah, I messed that up. Yeah, man, I, I was not a good husband. Yeah, man, I have not been a good father. Yeah, I, I have been, you know, on this venture of looking at porn all the time. Like, accept responsibility. That's the mm. number one thing. And I think that that's the one thing that men struggle with the most. So, bro, I mean, you nailed it. Accept responsibility. Then you said, uh, what was number two? Uh, uh, rejects passivity, which I think is a huge one in today's culture. Same, bro. Same. Reject passivity. I mean, that's something that growing up, growing up with five sisters, passivity was, you know, I grew up in a feminine household. I didn't realize what it was like to be, you know, aggressive, but aggressive in a, in a healthy masculine way, mm -hmm. like taking control, take the lead, take, you know, doing what needs to be done, telling people the, the hard truths, right? Those, I mean, that's huge. Yeah. And I think, I mean, in today's you know, culture, especially, right. I mean, we've seen the uh, you know, kind of the rapid acceleration of like a passive culture, you know, of, of weak men and things like that. I think it's like super important now to, to do that. Like if you have conviction, you know, um, like you need to stand on that. Right. And even if you're going to ruffle some feathers and people aren't going to agree with, you know, what you say, like you, you need to say it, right. You're not, you know, nothing's going to come, nothing good is going to come from you being passive. And I think what happens is, you know, us, us men, like we're always looking for like the next person to take on that responsibility. Right. Of like, you know, I always, I always have this saying that I say to my kids, it's like, Hey, if there's a piece of trash on the ground, we pick it up. Like doesn't matter if it's yours or not, like we're going to pick it up. Like we're going to take, you know, take responsibility for that. And then it's same thing with like, you know, if you were in a, you know, kind of like social setting, right. Um, and, and somebody saying something you don't agree with. And like deep down you have conviction of like, no, I need to correct this. Like more often than not, we sit on that. Right. And we, we don't say anything. We don't want to rock the boat, but I think, ultimately like what's that what that's doing is like a little piece of you is dying like every time you don't step up you know and, and and speak about your beliefs and like stand on principle and for me that's been a huge thing that's honestly like the reason i started the podcast a while back was like i have a lot of things to say a lot of convictions um that probably go against the grain culturally but like they need to be said and like so i need to stop being passive because i know ultimately like that's what i need to do you know yeah absolutely man i mean i 
it, it's everywhere. It's it, it's toxic. It's it's really passivity is kind of manipulative, if you if you really look at it. Is that I'm being quiet because I don't want someone to think something different about me. Mm-hmm. If I'm quiet, you might like me. If if I'm quiet, I won't I won't stir the pot. Well, conflict is good. Conflict is good. We can't we can't resolve anything without con- some sort of conflict, right? So that means that I need to say some things that maybe people don't want to hear. Now, is tax tone important? Absolutely. Don't go be a dick, you know. But yeah, man, that's huge. So I'm already loving this. What's the last one again? Uh, the last one is lead courageously. Lead courageously. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We need better leaders, bro. We need we need we need men who step up to the plate. And and I love that you don't just say lead or be a good leader courageously. Because courage is the antithesis of fear. We live in a we live in a society driven by fear. We live in we live in a society driven by you know fear driven men, scared, scared to lose money, scared to ask a girl on a date, scared. I mean, scared, scared, scared. And what what does fear do for us? I just talked about this on my coaching call last night. Is that the reason that you're not who you're supposed to be? The reason you're not living up to your calling is because when you really narrow it down, it's not because you don't have the resources. It's not because, mm-hmm. um, you know, you can't figure out why you can't be disciplined. It's all fear. So man, lead courageously. I love that. Man. That's, that's, that's big. Yeah. So the, yeah, I would say those are the three, you know, that like I, I try to reinforce, you know, daily, like, um, and I'd love to start to get into ask some questions about your kind of coaching program. Right. And kind of some of the things that you're teaching there. Um, one of the things that I, I love to do, and kind of our community, um, what we started to do is craft an identity statement for ourselves and kind of connect with that, you know, every morning. Right. And so that's part of my identity statement. Like, as I read through that, you know, it's just like, yeah, I, you know, that that's it, man. I, I accept responsibility. I reject that. I lead courageously. And like, that's reinforced every morning, you know, to try to like filter those decisions and then try to take stock on that, you know, um, whether it's at the end of the day or end of the week is like, how have I lived in alignment, you know, with that and what changes do I need to make? But I love, I'd, yeah, I'd love to see your perspective, man, on, on, you know, kind of some of the clients that you work with, like what are some of the biggest, you know, biggest lessons that you're trying to instill? One of the biggest things that I have, have handled and helped men handle with or handle is, is that a lot of men don't have a clear vision of their life. Okay. Most, most men will get stuck into a job that they don't like. They give up on their dream. They, they just do what they've been doing because it pays the bills and they live miserable. And not only that, they make everybody else around them miserable. Like if Drew, if you, if you hate your job and you spend a third of your life there, how are you going to show up for your wife and kids? Yeah, not great. Not great. I mean, so, so like, it's, it's such a fundamental piece of us. Like, and, and people, it, what drives me crazy is that, that like, we'll just do this so unconsciously and we'll just accept it. We'll bend over. We'll just, okay. I mean, this is my life. And we play this victim. I'm like, no, like, like my story of of courage in the military was like, I don't know if this military military thing is is for me forever, but I got this other thing and I'm going to chase it. Like I want to empower men to chase their dreams. Stop being so passive in your life. Stop just accepting Mm -hmm. a paycheck. Stop living miserably and making everybody else miserable. Like that's, that's taking responsibility for your life is by doing something that you love. Yeah. Pay the bills first, but, but, but if you're living in a place where you've just p- paid the bills for a year, two years, there's gotta be a point where you go, okay, I'm paying the bills. That's great. I'm taking care of my family, but there's gotta be something beyond this. And I can't live like this the rest of my life. So feeling, knowing, I think h- half of the battle is knowing your purpose. The second is actually having the courage to step into it. Yeah. Dude, this resonates so much, man. Just where I'm at with my, you know, my journey. Right. And, and, you know, there, I 100% agree. Right. Is I think each of us has some type of calling, right. Of what we're meant to do. Um, and it, it's hard to find that, right. Especially if you're in some job that you hate and you've accepted your fate. Right. But I think deep down, if you, if you are, you know, if you take the time to, to listen to kind of what's going on, like in your subconscious, um, you know, it's pushing you in a direction. Right. And it may take some time to figure out what that is. And it may take, you know, you trying several different things to really figure out what that is. Um, you know, but I think there is kind of a, a dichotomy of this as well, uh, especially us as dads is like p- part of our responsibility, a huge part of our responsibility is provide financially, you know, 
And so I'm not telling you, and I'm sure you probably get the same advice, you know, not don't just like quit your job like the next day and like have no idea what you're going to do, you know, or like be starting from day one. Um, you know, if you, if you have a direction that you'd like to go, like, guess what, man, you're gonna have to work hard as shit probably for like two years, right. To build, you know, that up to a point to where you can then go and, and, and be full-time in it and go pursue your passion. Um, you know, and, and I think we, we definitely underestimate the amount of work that goes into it. And I think that's just like, we have to negotiate that price up front. I think, um, you know, if like, this is my passion, this is what I want to do. This is fulfilling to me. I want to go create impact. It's like, you're going to work a lot harder than you probably think, you know, you're going to have to. Um, so yeah, I love your perspective on that. And I've just kind of like, you know, you may have to do some stuff you don't want to do for a time period to get ultimately to where you want to go. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. That's huge, man. Um, and my encouragement is that you don't like, th there is negotiation in Sudan, but, but, but most people just sit too long. You know, they, they, they sit too long they consider it. They, they get overwhelmed with fear. One thing I taught last night in my call is like, you need to like the longer you sit in the gray area. So if I'm in a job and I'm like, eh, but I've been really wanting to start my business. And so you have this looming decision. Like, do I stay here? Do I go start my own business? Or do I go try to do this, this, get this job in that you have that negotiation and that, that, um, that chaos in your mind of like, I'm here, but I kind of want to go there. Anytime you sit in the gray zone, the gray zone, the, the weight of an unmade decision, knowing that I should do something else and I'm not, or I, I need to make this decision. And it, it literally just, it, it destroys you, it drowns you. And so, you know, I, I do this thing that I, that I teach my clients called the decision mile. Like if there's a, a, a decision you need to make in, in your relationship, in your business, as a father, a big looming decision, if you don't take care of that, it's a toxic, it's a toxic cancer in your body. It will, it will rot you to your core. And so in this, if you have that looming decision, go walk a mile in the sun in the middle of the day and no, write down at the beginning, what are the one, two, three decisions that I need to make in my life that are holding me back and that are, that are literally being a cancer to me? By the end of the mile, I have to have that decision made and on paper, right? Mm -hmm. Because so many men are indecisive, man. And it, it could be a career change or a business or something. And you just sit and you're like, oh, I'll think about it next week. Oh, mm -hmm. just keep playing it off. Yeah. And it goes back to what we talked about, right? Is reject passivity. You know, if you know there's a decision to be made, you make it. Um, and then, you know, also I think it's uh I'm saying that, you know, action alleviates anxiety, right? And so what you're talking about, right, is is you're you're stuck in that kind of gray area, right? It, it's it's rotting to you. Take action, you know, like take action on it. Even if it's the wrong decision, guess what? You can pivot, you know. But if if you're sitting idle, like that's when you're gonna get that anxiety. Yeah. All right, guys. Hey, pause in this episode with Nathan for just a second to tell you about how we keep this show going. So uh, some of you guys may know, some may not know that uh, we also have a company called the Epic Dad Company. And our mission is to change the culture by creating epic dads. And the first way that you can step up and start becoming an epic dad is to get back in shape. And so what we do is we create 100% all natural, 100% transparent supplements uh, formulated specifically for dads to go out there, to get after it, to get fit, to get after your mental health, to make sure you're having positive sleep. Uh, whatever you need, we are going to have a supplement for you to help you along your journey in becoming the best dad you can be. And currently we have one product in the market that is our Tedco pre-workout. Um, it is freaking amazing, guys. Uh, you guys have given us some awesome feedback on it. And we feel that we have probably the highest quality pre-workout in the entire marketplace. So if you are in the market for a pre-workout, if you need something to get you up and going in the morning, get you motivated and dedicated to get in the gym and get fit, I highly recommend that you hop on over and get a bottle of Ted Co. pre-workout. We've got a link in the description for you to go grab it and pick up a sweet discount and free prime shipping while you're at it. So that's it, guys. That's how we keep the show going. So go ahead and hit the link below and order your Tedco pre today. Yeah. Well, um, tell me about uh, 33 hours. Like I've seen, you know, some stuff on social media, a little bit about it. I'm curious to know kind of what, you know, what's the intent behind it? Um, you know, what, what is it like? And like, what's the, what's the end state for that? Well, you know, the initial concept of 33 hours was... To take to, to put men in a place, 
I think that men men can heal through physical through physical things. Like we are men are physical specimens. Going to therapy and talking about our feelings helps us. But when when I, when I can get it in your nervous system, where you are, where you want to be, what your faults are, are, like what's holding you back, and I and I drill it into your nervous system, you'll never forget that moment, and and it it ingrains deep into you to actually change. So. Like you can go to a week weekend seminar in Las Vegas with the, the best entrepreneur and you're going to take a bunch of fucking notes and you're going to go home and you're not going to do shit about it or you'll be excited for a week and then you're going to go back to your normal life and then you're going to go to another seminar six months later because your favorite speakers on stage and you're going to take a bunch of notes and get all motivation and, and some cocaine, some crack cocaine in your brain. You get excited and, then you, and people go through this damn cycle in this entrepreneurship, mm-hmm. in this, in this uh, professional development uh, world. I wanted to create an event where you don't forget it. In fact, it's so so deeply ingrained in your nervous system that you begin to live it the day that it's happening. And and through my military training, and you understand this also, is that sometimes it's the hardest things you've ever gone through that that's made that that has taught you the biggest lessons about. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, and so like m- the military training is a metaphor for this. Is that I learned more about myself through TACP training. And our, our field week where we treat 70% of people, I learned, and, and I'm watching people drop like flies and I'm uncomfortable. And my boots are frozen and I'm sleeping on the ground and I got three hours of sleep in five days. Like I learned more about myself there than any other time in my life. And so part of this is, is that we have three pillars. It's vision, vulnerability, and values. We, t- we teach those three things, three things that men need. need. Men need to learn how to be vulnerable. Men need to have a vision for their life, know where they're going. So they're not just wandering aimlessly and they need to have their core values and they know what they stand for and live by it. But through this, it's a bunch of physical training. I mean, we do land that course. We do. Uh, I mean, it's, it's very, very, very physically uh, intensive, but through this part of my objective is to get you to see what you're truly capable of. Because as Goggins says, you know, the 40% rule, you, when you really mm-hmm. think, trying your hardest you're only at 40 percent, which means you have 60 percent capacity and so what i want to do is show you 70 percent. what i want to do is show you 80 percent because you keep living it probably below 40 right goggins is saying when he's bleeding pissing blood he's at 40. yeah he's at 40 yeah <laughs> so you're, you're you're probably at 20 you're living 20 percent of your p- potential i want to show you in your mind what you're capable of at 60 70 80 percent so that you can take it home and go back and live it right you mm-hmm. got to stretch that the horizon we gotta we gotta i gotta stretch the balloon so that you can go home and understand it that's that's the philosophy we we're not running a course for a few more months we're actually turning it more into a, a gentleman's course of like a almost like a ceo's boot camp so we're, we're transforming it like it, it was very much like basic training before it's still going to be very physically intensive but it's going to transition to more of a gentleman's course more of like a um would be like a the Q course kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Okay. Where it's, it, it's not like basic training. Like you're, you're a grown ass man and we're just helping you get to the next level. Yeah. No, very cool, man. I hundred percent agree, man. I think, you know, some of the, the biggest lessons and values that I took away was really when I, I pushed myself physically to really find out like what I'm capable of, you know, and whether that's an army course, you know, whether that's some type of physical event, um, you know, like I just ran my first marathon last weekend um, yeah, man, it was sucked, you know, um, <laughs> I, but you know, it really, to your point, it helps you kind of break past those limiting beliefs that you have, um, and see that you got a lot more in the tank. Um, you know, and then for me specifically like that marathon, which was nice. It was, it was a, it was a very short train up. It was only like a two month train up, you know, for the marathon. And like, I probably would run like three miles at the longest before then, you know? And so it just like really shows you like, holy shit, man, like with dedicated effort, right? Like a plan. And if I execute on that plan, like I can accomplish a ton and you learn so much from those, those events and exercises. Um, but then two, when you do that with someone else, right. It's that, you know, that shared, um, shared suffering, right. And you create those bonds with, with other men, um, it's just extremely valuable because then that opens up the opportunity for you to have those deeper relationships and be vulnerable. But if you're just, you know, going and grabbing a beer with, with Joe from the office, like you're not going to have those conversations, you know, like you need to put yourself in that type of environment that's going to help inform those discussions, you know? That's huge, bro. Most men's relationship with other men is, is just that sports, beer, alcohol, bars, you know, it's so shallow. 
Like we, I, I love that you brought that up because we need we need close relationship with brothers. But, you know, a couple years ago, I almost took my own life. Realized after that event that I had no male friends, none. Mm. You know, had I had a dude that I could have just been like, "Hey, man, I, I'm feeling real weird right now. Like I feel depressed, I feel dark." He's like, "Bro, come here. Let, let me come over. Let me let me talk to you a bit." Mm. We need we need that. Um, but so many men isolate from other men because of this weird stigma we have in society. We we need brothers, bro. And you you realize this in the military, like you may not have, you may not have had deep meaningful relationship, but you had bros that you could count on, right? You yeah, hundred percent. Oh, mm-hmm. Someone's got my back, right? Yeah. But then we leave the military, and and then we isolate. And we got no one, and we feel alone. Yeah. The worst thing to feel as a man is alone. Yeah. Yeah, man. And and you know, like like in my phone right now, there's probably you know, two to three people, um, that, that I would call like in a, in a situation with that. And all of them were my army friends, right. That I went to combat with, you know? And so it just kind of, again, gives that example of like shared suffering, you know, creates brotherhood. And if you're not in the military and, and you're not having that forced upon you, cause it's your job, uh, you know, you need to take the opportunity to, to recreate those type of events. Right. And, and, you know, whether it's you joining something or maybe you leading something, right. If, if you're, you know, the dad that's in the neighborhood and everybody's just, you know, drinking beer and watching sports games. It's like, invite one of your buddies to go on a run in the morning, you know, like you, you be that guy, right. That creates that, that type of environment, I think is, you know, it, again, it just goes back to that, that pillar of accept responsibility, right. If you don't have that in your life, you can't find it, like take responsibility, create it. Boom. Step up and do something about it. Yep. That's yeah. Right. Well, what's uh what's on deck for you, man. Um, You know, SP is, is growing a ton um, you know, you've got the kind of executive coaching stuff, you know, right now, like what's, what is the vision for, for Nathan's life look like? Well, this is, I'm, I'm so happy that you had asked this because this is a lesson for so many people that I hope can prevent some mistakes, maybe from you and then from other people, other of your listeners is once I got really good at entrepreneurship, we started doing, you know, three, four, five million a year. I got really cocky you know, as business owners. We have like, as entrepreneurs, we have this problem of when we, be, when we get good at one thing, we think we can be good at everything. And what we do is, is we begin to dilute or spread the attention to other things and we take away from the one thing that made us great, right? So for every entrepreneur out there is w- once you start getting successful, be careful when you go, oh, I can go do that too. Oh, I, I can go start a you know, credit repair business too, or I can go start, I'm gonna do real estate too. It, 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 unless you're in a place where you got a solid staff running things for you and you're barely there, it's not time for you to jump into another thing. I learned this. I learned this in an SP back in 20, uh, 2019. SP was killing it. And I decided my ex-wife had basically stole the thunder of the company as far as like we had just really channeled it all towards women. And so like I was like, I started this company for men. Like I, I was creating like testosterone supplements and shit. And now I'm running this female. I was so dissatisfied with what I was doing. I love running business. But and so. What I learned in this moment is I went and started a, a, a men, it was called Force. I called a, I created a men's supplement. So I started another supplement company and then I started a CBD company and then I started doing stuff for COVID and, and buying that. And I diluted all my attention to other things to where I only had a fraction of time to, to continue building the thing that I had built very big. And guess what happened? Business started to go down, you know? And once you spread, once you spread everything so thin, it's really hard to put out all the fires to get back to one thing. So back, that was 2019, it's 20, 2023. It's four years of this mistakes that I've continued. Now I've been, de- I've been dealing with the consequences for four years. But, but what I learned is I, I was talking to a guy the other day and, and I was asking for like, hey, I got SP Nutrition, I'm building this coaching company. I wanna build this coaching company to change the world, change men, change masculinity. I want it to have a massive impact, um, serve thousands of men. And he's like, Here's the biggest piece of advice I can give you. If you chase two rabbits, you won't get any. And I was like, that's exactly what I needed to hear. So I'm in the transition of figuring out closing down SP nutrition, might sell it, might, but you know, I, I might find someone that I could mentor into it and, and then take it over, take my email listing, all this. We'll, we'll see. Kind of, we'll see what God has in the plan for that. But my next 10 years is, is the next thing for me. Is I, you know, even, even in my coaching company, I had too many offers. I'm like, I got 33 hours mm-hmm. I got this and I got that. And I'm like, man, it goes back to the simple concept of just do one thing really good for a while. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, 
clarity of focus, right. And, and yeah. intentional focus on one thing. Um, what is it? Ron Swanson, or is it Ron Swanson? that says, I don't half-ass two things, you know, like full ass one thing. <laughs> like, right? like the magnifying glass, right? Like, yeah. Like the magnifying glass. Like, there's so much energy, you know, the sun's so big, but like, it's so dissipated. But when I magnify that energy into one small piece, I can start a fire. Yeah. And it's so, there's so much contained energy in that small beam. And so just the, the lessons I've learned over the last four years, I'm like, man, I realize I got to cut everything out. Yeah. I'm going to do one thing. I'm going to do one thing good. And I'm, I'm going to run a men's coaching group. And I'll yeah. still do like some one-off entrepreneurial, like helping people build their business, but it's all like, I'm, I'm, I'm going to reach thousands of people, thousands of men in this coaching group by what we do. And it's, it's an exceptional group. I mean, these, these, these guys are great. Uh, we're, we're building a, a, a powerhouse uh, unit of guys who are just all go-getters. And so, man, that, that's, that's the next 10 years of my life. We'll begin, once we hit a couple million, we'll begin, you know, expanding the groups and, building proximity closer, mm -hmm. to, you know, but, but right now it's just all in on the group. Yeah. Very cool, man. Called Crucible. Crucible. Okay. Yeah. We'll link up to it in the, in the show notes for sure. Uh, have guys go check it out. Um, how, how do you balance all this with dad life? You know, I mean, you, um, you're, you're busy, right? So what does, what does that look like? Yeah. So it's, it's tough. So I'm, I'm divorced, unfortunately, as far as my kids go. Um, fortunately, as far as not being with my ex. <laughs> But, but so I have my kids a week on week off. So, you know, the weeks that I have my kids uh, is uh, Monday through Sunday. And I just have to be very intentional. I, I know what my priorities in life are. And, and I live them day by day. And when my when it's time for my kids, it's time for my kids, nothing else matters. So for me, that's when they get out of school from about four o'clock, three thirty to four o'clock until they go to bed at seven. That's their compartmentalized time. And I don't, I, I rarely negotiate that. Um, Saturdays and Sundays, that's their part. I, I don't really work much on the weekends. I work much when it's their time. There are some, some circumstances, but for the most part, their time is their time. Yeah. I, you know, so I, I'm, I'm really big on comp compartmentalizing the, their priorities. Know what your top five priorities are in life. For me, it's God, me, my wife, my kids, my work. And then I punch my schedule in. And so I don't really need balance. I just, mm. I just block pieces of time into the things that are important for me. Yeah. And I manage my time. If you do that, because people spend so much time doing bullshit, bro. Like people waste so much time scrolling. I ain't got time for my kids. I ain't got time for that bullshit. You just don't know how to manage your time. You're not, a, you're not efficient with your time. Mm. So you, yeah. you got time to be a good dad. You got time to be a good father. Uh, you got time to be a good husband. You got time to be a good entrepreneur. Manage your time better. Mm -hmm. that's, that's one thing that I, you know, I have not been great at, but, but through the trial and tribulation and failure, I'm learning. Yeah. That's one thing I'm learning as well. Like I'm not the greatest at it, but I, I try to have an intentional effort on it and I'll continue to get better at it. It's really leveraging the calendar. Right. And I think that that phrase of like balance is such bullshit, you know, um, the, just back to the conversation we were having, right. If you're trying to juggle six different things at once, like something's going to drop, you know, but if you have intentional focus, if you use your calendar, right and say, hey, during this block of time, this is work time. I'm going to be 100% focused on this. I'm going to turn my phone on, no notifications, right? I'm going to be focused. When that hour is up, I'm transitioning to the next thing that's on my calendar, right? And maybe that's family time. You know, maybe that's your workout or whatever the case is, right? But have that be your singular focus for that time period and then move on to the next thing and really manage it from your calendar. I think that's where I'm trying to learn is I've always tried to have separate like you know, family stuff and then like a work calendar. And I'm just like, fuck it, man. I'm just integrating all of it now in one, you know? <laughs> Boom. And, then, and yeah. then my suggestion, if you already do this is, is when you like write your life priorities, like God is my number one. So I punch in from, from 4am to 530. I'm spending time with, with the Lord. I'm, I'm, I'm reading my Bible. I'm praying. Uh, I'm doing that. Then it's, then it's me. How am I taking care of myself? When's my gym time? Mm -hmm. When's my time that I need to think? Then it's my wife. When is my date night? What does my time look like for her every night? And then it's then it's work. I put work last, but mm. I still work. I'm still able to work most days, twelve to fourteen hours. Yeah, there are twenty four hours in a day. <laughs> I sleep for about six. That leaves eighteen hours. People that tell me they don't have enough time, I, I just don't buy it, man. Yeah, there's time. There's time to do it all. You just need yep. to stop making the excuses and do it right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, uh, well, Nathan, where where can guys go uh, learn a little bit more about you? What's the best place to, to send folks to? Just my Instagram, bro. That's that's you know I'm I'm very active there. I, I respond to almost every DM. I'm, I'm in there every single day. If you got questions, I got things. You know, 
I'm there. And, and, and as long as it's not hate, I'll <laughs> yeah, block. Yeah. My questions, you want help, you know, you want to come be a part of my group, man, we'll, we'll help you change your life. So awesome, bro. Well, um, did, I Nathan man. So we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll link it up. We'll link up all the stuff in the, uh, the show notes, but dude, thank you. Thank you for coming on, man. Um, yeah, bro. You know, like I said, looking forward to this discussion for, for a long time, man. And think it, you know, our listeners are going to get a ton of value out of it. Um, so guys go check out Nathan, go check out what he's going going on. Uh, go give him a follow and, and dude, thank you, man, uh, for coming on. Thank you, bro. I appreciate your time, man. Thanks for having awesome. me. For sure, man. We'll, uh, we haven't even had a chance to talk yet, man. I can already tell you're a great dude. <laughs> well, we'll, uh, we'll connect for sure, man. We'll yeah, stay connected. Yeah. Well, hey guys. Um, hey, thank you for listening. Um, hey, two things. I want you guys to do two things. If, if, uh, if you like this episode, if you got value from this episode is one, I want you to go down and just leave a quick review. Uh, it takes five seconds. You can just hit the star button. If you don't want to write anything, that's fine. But what that does is that that pushes up higher in you know, the algorithm, right? And that's going to make sure that more dads see this content and they're going to get value from it. So that's one thing is leave a review real quick. And the other thing is if you got value from this episode with Nathan specifically, I want you to go to one dad in your network, right? It could be somebody at the office, could be somebody in the neighborhood, whatever, where you're having those like sports conversations we were talking about. Send in this episode, Right. Because you never, if you're not having those deeper conversations, you never know what they're going through. And so they might be going through a super shitty time right now. They don't want to talk about it. But by you sharing this episode and them listening to it, man, it could be, you know, all they need, right, to, you know, to, to start stepping up and leading and getting help. And so those are the two things is leave a quick review and share this with another dad. So do that for us, guys. And Nathan, again, thank you so much for coming on the show, bro. All right, guys. We'll see you all on the next episode.